0: You are listening to Australia's
1: tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals.
0: Welcome to episode 39 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. We all deal with legal documents on a daily basis. Trust deeds, SMSF deeds, Division 7A loans, LRBAs, company constitutions, and so on. How we might get these documents has changed a lot over the past decade. Many of us, especially in smaller practices, will get these online and no longer liaise directly with a specific lawyer. Manoj Abhishandani is the head and brains behind trustee.com.au and a range of other websites offering legal documents and registrations. I asked Manoj whether he could tell us how the online sale of legal documents and registrations is changing, and luckily he said yes. My first question to Manoj is how he started.
1: Here's Minosh. Trusteed was the first website we started, and it was quite by accident that we commenced a website. In fact, I was very busy with my accounting practice. We were looking after close to 600 self-managed super funds, and this was sometime. When Peter Costello came in as a treasurer and he was going to change the law sometime in May 2006, and uh, looking at the legislation, I realized that all the 600 Superfund trust deeds which I have in my office are quite you know, old and they need to be updated. And then I spoke to a lot of my clients and I said to them that this legislation requires you to update your trust deed. So we went ahead and got a trust deed. And when we got the trust deed, the problem was that how would we update? So we decided in the office, I had 11 accountants working for me. So, uh, you know, we put it as a Word document on one of the machines. And the problem was that there was a queue on that machine. You know, everybody wanted to do a mail merge of the Word document so that we could prepare uh, the update for each and every fund. Yeah. And then it was quite by accident. So I thought there has to be a better solution than a male merge. And my wife, she ordered uh, pizzas and I was picking up pizzas at Domino's and I met a gentleman outside and I uh, I asked him, his uh, daughter actually just fell down. She was just jumping outside Domino's waiting for the pizzas. And then she fell down and I just came to her you know, and I said, where are your parents are? And then this gentleman came out and said, I'm going back to India because I can't get a job here, and I said, "Oh," and he he told me what he did, and uh, and I I asked him that. Look, I have a problem that uh, this there's a queue in front of this word for Windows. He said, "Why don't you put it on the website?" I said, "What?" And then he said, "Look, I'm going to go home, and then you put your name there and in a website, and you put your surname and you put your email ID and send go, and you'll get an email with a document." And I said, oh, this is beautiful. So let's do that. So he came to the office and then he prepared what was called an intranet for the office. So everybody went to this web page. So there was no queue anymore for that machine. So everyone went to that website and we put in a password and then we created like a form, like an online form, you know, what is the name of the super fund, what's the ABN and whatever the criterias were for the mail merge document. And was basically for our purpose than anything else. Uh, the story is uh, pretty interesting because then there was a friend of mine who practiced in Parramatta. He had 70 super funds. So now we were sometime on 1st of July, 2007. And he said, Manoj, you know, uh, do you realize that we have to update the deeds? I said, we've already done our deeds. You know, we've already updated all our deeds. And he said, how did you do it? I said, this is the website. This is the password. Just go and do it. And he said, How, what do I have to pay you for it? I said, I'll just give me a hundred bucks, you know. And then I was um, opening my mail a couple of weeks later, and I found that there was a check of $7,000 in there. And <laughs> I, so it was quite funny, you know, because uh, I rang him up and I said, uh, why did you mail me a check of $7,000? He said that you wanted hundred bucks for it. So 70 times hundred is 7,000. So that's your money. And I rang uh, Louis Batala of Battalion Legal, and I said to him that, look, the deed, you know, which we have, we can start selling it. And then the IT guy who was still in our office said, oh, we can put it in the public domain and a lot of people can just come in and buy deeds and they can pay you for it. And we'll do an online credit card system. So he asked me, uh, like I was just uh, going home and I was in the car, in the driving seat, he Came running out of the office, says, I want to uh, order that domain name. He says, What name should I have? I said, I just said, Trustee, just call it Trustee. So that's how a u started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny. that's that's yeah, it's a very funny story. It's just an accidental, uh, you know, event, and all we had is Superfund Trustees. We didn't have anything else, we didn't have any companies yeah. or anything, you know, we didn't have any trusts yeah. or anything. So we all we were doing is selling self-managed superfund trustee. And we did that for about two years or so.
0: And does it cause confusion that now trustee.com.au doesn't just cover trustees, but it also covers company registration, constitutions, division 7A, discretionary trust. Does that sometimes cause confusion that, you know, uh, the domain name is basically just trustee?
1: Because of the price point and the quality of the deed, we were quite popular among the second-tier accountants, I would say, you know, the first-tier, or rather the third-tier, the first-tier being uh, the top six, and, you know, then the second-tier and the third-tier where there were three or four partner to sole practitioners. So, we we had become very popular, you know, so everybody knew. And then, at that same time, ClearDocs came around, and there were other people who were selling other stuff along with Superfund deeds. So, they told us that we need this, we need that. So it was more of a demand from them that we started putting other products. Yeah, the documents. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we had to go back to uh, battalion legal and then they had to write us a constitution. They had to write us discretionary trust and fixed unit trust. So the whole gambit or the whole product profile were, were to be built in. And that person who I met is still working for us. Unfortunately, his father passed away, but he still works from us, from an overseas, from India. He he's back home, but he's still working for us, and he's heading a team of sixteen people. So he's back in his hometown.
0: So Trustee.com.au is supported by your team in Australia, but also by an IT team of sixteen
1: uh, yes, IT uh, experts, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a big yeah. that's a big team behind behind the also, website
1: yeah we we keep our heads very low, and we don't talk much about it at the back and the turnover and the profits and all that so the number of documents which we sell and it's quite a secret with because nobody knows how big anybody else is, and we know how big we are because we know the number of documents we are selling to what new companies are being registered in Australia so we have a team of sixteen people we have tester here, and we have a project manager in Australia who full time we have three people in australia and then we have a seo person because the this game has now changed quite a fair bit in the sense we are not the only online company providers or super fund deed providers uh, the game is about who's on google and who's not on google so we have a full time uh, search engine optimizer who looks after all the websites so that uh, we get the number of hits which we want And the IT team is headed by the same person. It's overseas, and the project manager handles most of the urgent issues here, but most of the development happens overseas.
0: The uh, legal firm, you had a working relationship with them beforehand.
1: For years, like since I would say 1988, I used to work for chartered firms in the city and working for a person called Jim Ferguson, and he had many, many super funds. I'm talking about 1988, 1990. So my interest was always in self-managed super funds. So I've I've almost worked for 30 years in self-managed super funds. So I used to attend a lot of presentations by the Institute of, you know, chartered accountants and do all, attend all the seminars. So all the speakers, and because of my interest, I was always uh, liaising with them, uh, writing them emails, and if I had problems, you know, in some of their presentations. So I was quite a active person trying to learn more, and, you know, as a young person, and then Battalion Legal Lewis and me, and just, we just got together, and uh, he uh, presented, uh, Lewis presented on, I don't exactly remember, this must be about 15, 20 years back, on a supernovation topic and and his presentation was a little bit more plain, simple English, you know, something which I could understand and um, follow it through. And so and he was about my age, Lewis, and we just got along well. And he was uh, working for someone at that point and he wanted to start his own practice sometime in 2004, 2005. So it was like the about time, you know, that he jumped out and set up his own business and we wanted to do something separate, you know, and we wanted to do something online, you know, so it was just like a right time for both of us.
0: Oh, I see. So Battalion Legal was quite involved from the very start when you started putting it online.
1: Yeah, look, uh, when you have 600 super funds, we had 100 deeds, uh, (laughs) which looked different. You know, we had a hundred yes. different, so 100 different versions yeah and yes. not only versions but from okay from different solicitors different versions from the same solicitor and it's quite surprising because when I had 600 super funds I hadn't even read a deed I'd read the legislation I and because of my experience of seven years and we didn't get 600 super funds on day one my practice started in 1995 so you know we had one and then we had 50 and we had 100 so we grew so i and because of my interest this was a specialized practice and we were very unique because we hardly had any business clients um, very few business clients we had a lot of retirees we had a lot of pointers we had a lot of nurses who were retiring who wanted to set up super funds so so you know we were specialized uh, cpa firm looking after self-managed super funds so uh, it was very natural for us to be involved in the, in the law side of it, the legislation bit of it, and the change in legislation which came in in 2007, which had a major effect on, you know, how it is. But uh, frankly, at that point of time, I'm going back 2004 and five. I had never actually read a trust deed. And the accountants out there, I'm talking about the tier three accountants, the two partner, three partner uh, sole practitioner people, they've never read the trustee. And when I started reading those trustees, because I had to see whether they can be used, I said, this is all rubbish because the law has changed. But it was rubbish anyway. And there was one provider, I don't want to take their name. It was literally toilet paper. I'm really sorry for my language, because it was just rubbish. I mean, it wasn't even a self-managed super fund my clients had they had uh, what was called an employer-sponsored uh, fund, Section 19 of the CIS Act. So, and we were calling it a self-managed super fund, whereas it wasn't a self-managed super fund. The trustee did not determine it to be a self-managed super fund. So, yes, yeah,
0: so he thought he had an SMSF, but when you started looking at the uh, trustee, you actually realized he didn't have an SMSF. He had a, he had yeah. a different version of a super
1: fund. Look, it's, uh, even today, there are solicitors out there writing deeds uh, which are half wrong. More than half wrong. So, uh, you know, they're prescriptive and descriptive. I'm not a lawyer by any chance, but what I do know is the CIS Act by the back of my hand. And uh, uh, since we've been there for so long, and so I know uh, what is wrong. If there is something wrong in the deed, I can tell you that's wrong in the deed, you know. But they're still selling Mm. those documents and people are still buying them. I mean, people, I mean, accountants, financial planners, they think that because these people are out there in the public, Proclaiming or whatever, and uh, their deeds are good. But uh, there are some very good deeds out there. Let's become very professional now. You know, I mean, uh, very lately, there are some individuals who have come up, and there are some organizations which have come up which have very good deeds. And I don't know whether they buy our deeds, but we don't buy their deeds because we look at the legislation, we look at the explanatory memorandum which comes out from the Treasury, and then uh, Lewis will, uh, you know, I would recommend that these are the changes which we need and we go through it. So, it, and we have uh, three specialists, Superfund specialists in our office. So, we prepare a little bit of a brief for the solicitor. The solicitor considers our brief. We look at the legislation. So, every time when we come up with a version, newer version of the trustee, Superfund trustee, you know, there's a lot of hours, like hundreds and hundreds of man hours which go in there on how every word is to be put in the right location. So it's a it's a very tedious, you know, reading the legislation, reading the explanatory memorandum, and then incorporating all that in the deed. Because at the end of the day, I implement that deed for my own fund. And the staff who work there, they have self-managed super funds. They update their own super fund with that deed. So we want to not only ensure that our clients, or accountants and their clients have a Rolls-Royce, our super fund should have a Rolls-Royce as well. So that's so. there's a lot of work yeah. which goes into it, you know.
0: When you issue an update of a deed, yeah. the previous clients you had who bought older versions, they have to buy a new version then. So once you buy a version, it doesn't entitle you to automatic updates, does it? Yeah,
1: Yeah, what we have is a very unique system. No one else has it, and IT looks after that side of it. Every time we update, we tell you why we update. And there's a special company. It doesn't do any business. My wife is the director. The way the wording of the deed is that that entity is allowed to also, along with the trustees, allowed to update the trustee. So with one variation, about 25,000 trustees or thereabout get updated at the same time automatically.
0: Don't the trustees need to sign the... Amendment of the trust deed?
1: Yes, they do, if that is what is in the deed. But let's say it's my super fund and I say that Heidi is an authorized person to update the deed, then you can also sign the deed of variation.
0: So that's what your deeds include. They include a clause that this company is allowed to update the deed. So when the law changes and the deed needs an update, then... The update happens
1: directly through this company. Yeah, but only for those who have opted to buy the five-year update option. And we have a system. Oh, I see. When the five years expires, three months before that, we alert everyone it's about to expire. Can you renew? And then we renew it for them. And that's Mm -hmm. how it carries on. Yeah. So we keep it updated. And it's a very nominal fee of $30 per year. So and we recommend accountants that when you buy the deed, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And historically, since 2006, we have been updating it sometimes twice a year, but sometimes only once a year. So instead of paying $125 for an update, just pay $30. And, you know, it's just $150 for the five years, you know, and plus GST. So your deeds will always be updated by us. And then you just log in and you say, where's my latest update? And you can download your latest update, which is basically an annexure of the data variation.
0: You mentioned before that the landscape has changed a lot, that competition has changed. Yes. Could you tell me how it has changed? Is it just that a lot more players uh, came into the market?
1: There are two types. There's one type, which are really highly regarded, super fund specialist people who run these organizations and they are lawyers and they're very recognized and they're very prominent in the media. And they have set up their online websites instead of having an intermediary tree in the middle. So they're very prominent speakers. They're everywhere or in every conference and things like that. And they, they are there because they want to promote their businesses. Because if you go and present in any conference, uh, the institute or the CPS, they don't pay you because you're a speaker. They just pay you because you want to uplift your profile. So these people actually are uh, have done an excellent job and uh, they have created these websites and they have a very good product. And uh, so they've become a select group of people, a select group of websites. And we have our own followers. There are some tier one companies, you know, where there are five or more partners, all the city practices, they go to them. And then there are tier two type of suppliers who go to, a smaller type of accounting firms. So those people get attracted to us. And there are reasons for that. And I, I can talk about those reasons if you like, because, you know, in tier one, uh, mostly they have in-house specialists and like Superfund or in trust, you know, so they don't need any sort of a support from these organizations. They just need a legal document, which is prepared by a solicitor. Whereas the area where we are in, there is a language difference, the language of a solicitor and the language of an accountant. And because everyone who works in our support team, you know, has been working or has worked for an accountant. So and we all and they're trained by me personally and my wife's quite active and she was in practice with me. So we we've been you know, we create that bridge between the accounting world and the law world, the lawyers world and then try to explain and interpret what's written in the deed so and that's where we have been very strong in customer service you know we've been very good at that we are the only ones who have a chat button and we are the only ones who can pick up a call and we are the only ones who have created the deed we actually check what you have created and we uh, we we, uh, have a spreadsheet for every document you buy and when you bought the document, and there's a support team which goes through all the checkpoints. And if there's a problem, we write to them. And even if there's no problem, we write to them that what you've created is okay. It's an oversight. Let's put it this way. And it's
0: free. Yes. Yeah. So Manoj, when we started talking about the marketplace and how it changed, she said there were two groups and that the first group tends to be SMSF lawyer specialists who cater to the tier one sector of the market, hence don't offer much support because these firms already have their in-house legal team anyway. And then you service more the tier two firms who need more support because they don't have their own in-house legal system.
1: Most of the accounting firms which are in tier two would come to people like us because if they go to suppliers who supply to tier one, there's an added cost. They pay a lot more money. No, there's an added cost of explanation. And then they'll say, oh, we can make you talk to a solicitor. It's $400 an hour and things like that, you know, and that's not what they want. Uh, Let's say there's a very complex situation and the accountant himself is not sure whether a company structure or whether a trust structure would be suitable. So what we offer is something like a sounding board. And then they discuss with me and they discuss with other specialists we have in our office we have a, a specialist for trust. We have a specialist for super fund. We have three specialists for self-managed super fund because it's not only the self-managed super fund. We have an audit software. We have an actuarial, which is quite a big arm of our business. So we have specialists. We need, accountants need that helping hand. And we, we offer that helping hand for free. You know, it's included.
0: You mentioned the chat button before that you have on the trust the website are these specialists behind that chat button or, or ask differently who is behind the chat button
1: yeah the support team is broken down into you know the initial first touch and then the second touch is the specialist so if you had a query the first touch support team will be able to answer, un- and they're all in Norwest, you know they're all sitting there and the the first touch team has got four people and then the second touch have got five people in there so out of those five, we have a division 7A company. We have a, who's a company secretary in Australia. And then that person also helps people in trust. And then we have uh, two people who do only SMSFs, uh queries. And then if they can't handle it, if you can call it, we have touch three. So they come to me as well. So I'm there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, you know, it's all. Online and you know I can be sitting at my home and still be on the chat button on weekends. Sometimes if I'm on the computer, I switch the chat button on and I sometimes I'm I'm touch one. You know, so I help people out. Yeah. Yes, are
0: they based in Australia? your first touch. Oh too, yeah. or are they based? Uh, Everyone is
1: based here. But okay. We don't. We do not give any legal advice. We just help them in how to fill up the forms. Mm. What is the meaning of uh, redeemable shares, for example? How many shares should I have? Should I have a $1 share? So that's what touch one will do, you know, I mean, or how do I fill up your bay trust deed or what is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of that? You know, it's helping them to fill up the form. So about 60 to 70% of queries are relating to that. And that's why they're always on the phone. And then once the document is purchased, they have to check the document and send an email out that they have checked it, whether... It ticks yes. all the boxes and all that. So they're quite a, quite busy. I mean, we're selling like 200 documents a day, you know, so it's uh, quite a busy office.
0: You mentioned before that there are other providers in the market that you service, the second tier companies. Were you the first one in the market?
1: You remember I mean, when I told you in 2006, I had 600 trustees and I, there were probably 100 of them, which look, you know, 100 different types. So there were suppliers. But in those days, we didn't have much of an online interface. So in those days, and bit earlier as well, accountants and including myself used to type it in and then fax. I mean, I remember faxing it to suppliers. And then sometimes even sending it by email, you know, uh, put everything on a Word document, and then those people will do something and then we'll Get a deed uh, by courier. I'm yes. talking about there was a entity called BH Shelf Companies. Then they sold it to Esprion. Esprion sold it, and they amalgamated quite a few. I think QuickBooks, whoever owns QuickBooks, and then now they've sold it to MYOB. So really Intuit, yeah, yeah, Intuit, uh No, no, I think uh, yeah, Quick. They had Intuit, but Intuit now is no longer with them. I forget. It's a listed Reckon. Yeah, Reckon Docs. So they, they have it, but it's still called ReckonDocs, but the owner is now MYOB. So BH Shelf Companies, when it was acquired by espion espion acquired about 18 of these suppliers, you know. So it's very easy to set up uh, the business, okay. yeah. But to get to that scale to get the acceptance. Mm -hmm. So that's why there were quite Mm -hmm. a few lower-end trust deeds because they were probably prepared by solicitors who were not experts in self-managed super fund. But the landscape has changed now. There are now uh, firms which specialize only in self managed and they don't do other stuff. So now it's changed quite a bit, you know, over the last decade, I would say.
0: Looking at your terms and conditions, you stress quite clearly that you're not a legal firm, you're not giving any legal advice, that you don't guarantee the correctness of the deeds or anything and that your liability is limited to the cost of the purchase price of yes. the Yeah. Yes. Have you ever had to refer to these terms and conditions? Oh, you know, yes. Have you ever had places uh, where yep. where clients thought, thought they had legal recourse and then yes. you had to point to the uh, section in terms and conditions that said, we are actually not giving any legal guarantees.
1: Yes. Every email which goes out, every chat button when the when it when you open a chat button, we have a disclaimer up front. We are very, very conscious that we are not a law firm. Very, very conscious. And we don't know why you're buying a document. We don't know and we don't want to know. All we help you is that this is the document, which is a standard document. If anything, which is out of the standard, we always refer you to go to our solicitor or your solicitor. So what we are doing, we don't have many documents. I mean, if you look at our number of products with uh, some of the competition, which we have, they have a large number of products. We like to sell more of the same product, which are more commonly used by accountants and financial planners. So we don't carry a lot of uh, standard documents because our experience has shown, because we have been in practice, that those uh, non-standard documents have to be tailor-made, let's say for a testamentary trust. You know, a testamentary trust cannot be standardized because each family is different. And yet we see our competition uh, standardizing those documents. And I don't know how they do that. We just don't want to go in that area. You know, I mean, we've had uh, chats with the uh, like variation of discretionary trustee, variation of or change of trustee of a discretionary trust. This is a very very high danger area, <laughs> and I, I don't know how our competition is able to standardize that document, because if anybody goes into the depth of that that transaction, there could be huge uh, legal cases following. You know, good luck if they are if yeah. they've never had those. So we've stayed clear out of problematic areas where you see it's just a legal document right so there's so much you can standardize Uh, everything should be legal like a will you know that's a uh, we've never sold a will and we never will sell a will because it's tailor-made you know you cannot standardize a will and yet you see almost every supplier out there which is in competition with us is uh, selling a will and i don't know how they do it or uh, well, why they do it. So we've like stayed clear where we think that it's too risky. And there's another area where there is a uh, trust, which is uh, a, is a discretionary fixed unit trust. And that again is an area where, where there's high litigation, the tax office is looking after it. So we want to stay clear out of all those because you see, it's, well, you can buy that document, but it's how you use that document and then it's possible that they can fall back on the solicitor who has actually drafted that document, because it was not used for the intended purpose. So yeah. we stayed clear out of all those areas where we feel that there could be any kind of a legal risk in where they could, where there could be tailor-made document required, you know, instead of a standard document.
0: Back to the beginnings, you started trustees. That was going really, really well. How quickly after that did you start the other offerings, you know, company registrations?
1: Uh, I think the companies came right after because the super funds needed uh, corporate trustees. And we had an API, the tax, uh, sorry, the ASIC had an API, which we connected to. Very soon people started telling us we want to change the trustee of the super fund. So we had to bring in those type of, those type of documents in where, uh, where a member had to be added, a member had to be deleted. And I knew where it was heading because, you know, our customers were telling us that they need all of this. So it was more of a requirement by them. And now, very lately, like last three years, the, we have been telling accountants what you would want. <laughs> and I'll give you a very good example of that. Now, when you form a company with us online, we have developed API with the Australian Business Register. So you don't have to go to ABR website and register your company for ABN, GST, or PAYG withholding. You can do it within the form which we have. And even for the super fund, when you create a super fund, you need an ABN. So we, we have now taken the lead and we are telling accountants that you could actually do this with us if you want to do it with us. And we've given it for free. And uh, like ABM registration is for free. The data which is in the formation of company is dumped onto the ABR website.
0: When you say you built the API for the ABR, it's a yeah. bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, um, You really mean that the Australian Business Register built the API, That's right. don't you? Because the Australian Business Register has to open, open their door through an API
1: for you to log in, there is a technology where we can fill up the online form, so that's how we do it. There's no API because ABR is owned by the tax office, uh, there's no API from them. What actually happens is when you start the company formation, we actually start in the background, we start the ABR file. You know how you go into ABR website and you say, oh, uh, I see. Yeah. So there's a machine which is filling up behind it, so you enter the data on the screen but we are filling the ABR form for you.
0: Ah oh, I see so you there's actually not an API into the Australian business register yeah. you basically just um start the whole process you mirror the whole process in the yeah. background. Yes. directly on their website then. Yes. But with ASIC you have a direct API don't you? I mean ASIC has an API yes. that you log into. Yes. On your website, you say that you are an ASIC-approved registered
1: agent? That's correct. You see, being an accountant, it was new to me and was very fascinating. When you fill up the form, an online form, and you provide the company details and who the directors are, their addresses, date of birth, and their tax file numbers, and you say you're a tax agent and things like that, so what we'll do is, uh, with our API with the ASIC, we'll first go and register your company, and then ASIC will give us a TXT file, which has the ACN of the company. Because we need that ACN. Without that ACN, we cannot finish the application at ABR. So, and it, it happens in nanoseconds. It's very interesting to note. So when we receive that TXT file, we go back to the ABR page because we want an, uh, a tax file number or ABN for that company. We go back into those pages, and then we re-enter the ACN which we have just received. So the events are happening in a some order, and it's usually yes. uh, it's usually after two or three minutes later we provide you the ABN of the company, but we provide you the ACN instantly. So we have. We are registered with uh, uh, with ASIC, and I think we were the sixth company to do that in Australia. Yeah, and was it
0: difficult to become a registered agent with ASIC? Uh, No, it wasn't. Uh, There were some
1: tests because there's a credit check, and uh, and then what they do is they uh, you have to have a very high end security system. So your handshake with the ASIC server has to be very clean, and then you have to have some credit history. Because the $479 ASIC fees is debited to your bank account the next day. So you could, like, we order maybe, so there's a credit, you know, like, we order, like, through our system, maybe 100 companies. So we owe $47,000 to ASIC overnight. And then the next day, the money, but we've already collected the money from our users. So they check Mm -hmm. that history and they, they look into that. But I guess any honest businessman will be able to register with ASIC. The API is quite complicated. It depends on how you fill up your form. So the, so the intelligence is on the online form, you know, the form which we have and our competition has. Our online form is how the accountants think. And that's why we got adapted very quickly. You know, how we think is that how many shareholders there will be. And then we start opening the shareholders forms. Whereas if you look at other people's forms, they have, okay, this is the first shareholder. Do you have one more? Do you have one more? Do you have one more? And they keep on handing. And we do it the other way around. You know, we say, okay, you want to set up a company. How many directors will you have? How many shareholders will you have? How many partners will own one share? How many companies will own those shares? So we have a different approach altogether. And our approach is has got the backing of 25 years of experience working as an accountant. So that's why we are liked by Tier 2, because Tier 2 is where we have that hands-on experience.
0: You don't copy the manual form, basically, that ethic issues or the... Uh, No. You approach it a different way, but of course, in the end, you get the same information.
1: You see, the form is 201, and how we collect online, it does not look like 201. So we collect the data, but the way we collect the data is different. We collect the data yeah. on how accountants think, whereas somebody else, what they do is they get an IT guy, they give him form 201, his form 201, and the IT guy is developing that form, you know, <laughs> and the, he's looking at the form and filling up and creating an online platform, whereas yeah. we don't do that at all. The, that's That's where the intelligence is. That's where the smartness is. But we have noticed some people yes. have tried to copy our system. I mean, you can't you can't chase that. You can't stop that. So, you know, it's uh, it, that's how life is. You
0: mentioned that the ABN registration is not through an API, but happens basically in the background. Is it the same case with GST and pay-as-you-go with yes. holding registrations that yes. you don't use an API? You basically just run yeah. it and
1: it's yes. through the back end? Yeah. It's the same if you look at the ABR form. When you're trying to register a company's ABN, then you apply for the tax file number on the same form. There's a question, do you want GST registration? And then we have built our forms in similar manner and we collect whatever is required for that form on our form. Uh, Basically, you don't go out of that form. And, you know, the best part is a free service. I mean, imagine filling up an ABR form for all of that. So you'll have to re-key everything, you know. That's like spending half an hour. So if you phone from say 100 companies a day, we are trying to save literally 50 man-hours a day. But not every company needs an ABN. There are a lot of companies which just act as trustees of a discretionary trust, and some act as a trustee of a super fund which don't need an ABN and GST and all of that.
0: So the trustees were going well shortly after the company registrations came. What came after that?
1: Oh, well, then the trust. And now we have built a, a similar ABN and GST registration for trusts and fixed unit trust. We got into QS reports. We went into actuarial certificates.
0: That's a different board game. Have you connected with an actuary company?
1: We've built a whole back end for an actuary. We just have one actuary who is Peter May. And the way we have done it is we have built it for him. And he accesses it, and uh, obviously he has been involved in... Actually, we had another actuary who retired. So the previous actuary helped us to build that system, the back end of it, uh, the spreadsheets and the warning signs uh, and all of that. But the reason why we went into it is we were selling pension documents. We were selling super fund um, trust deeds. So we knew that there is a market for actuarial certificates. And um, uh, this is the time when there were 400 of 450,000 super funds. And we estimated about one third, about 150,000 super funds would need uh, an actual certificate. And uh, we got about 15,000 of those. So we, we're doing quite well. And I think now with 1.6 million, <laughs> Many accountants don't even realize that they will need an actuarial certificate from 2018 onwards because you can't segregate the assets and all that. So it's an interesting field on how we'll see how it'll how it will fall into place.
0: So the actuary certificate is actually done all
1: in house. You see, in house there are two houses. <laughs> there's a house which is the internet, and then there's an actuary's house. So he gets an email and then he could be sitting anywhere in the world. And I remember he telling me that he took a cruise somewhere in Spain and somewhere in Europe. And uh, every morning he'll wake up and he'll finish a few, few certificates which had come through in the morning. And then. He'll spend his day, and in the evening, he'll finish the rest of them.
0: Yeah, so the actuary certificates are not instant. You don't get an actuary certificate straight away, probably
1: Uh, a 24-hour turnaround. (laughs) It's very interesting. Okay, very good question here, because there are two or three large firms who issue actuarial certificates. An actual calculation is in the Act, in the Income Tax Act, and we know what the average uh, means, the average pension is the numerator and the denominator is the total assets of the fund. You know, it's everybody knows that, uh, that uh, formula. But, you know, average is not defined because average could be daily method, it could be weekly method, it could be monthly method, or it could be quarterly method. So there are many methods. So you'll find this very interesting that if you use the same figures for the same super fund, and if you go to multiple actuarial firms, you'll get a different percentage. And you'll say, what is this? You know, I mean, because there's one Act, one Income Tax Act. And in one Income Tax Act, you're getting multiple percentage, although the percentage would be very much alike if their systems are built properly. But there would be this minute difference. And that difference could be either 1% or 2%, not more, but I've seen differences of closer to 5%. So it's based on how the actuary actually thinks what is an average. We do it on daily balance method, 365 days, every fourth year, 366 days. So I think ours would be more accurate than an average of a monthly basis. So the point which I was trying to make here and what you asked me is, would you get an instant certificate? We are not authorized to issue the certificate. So what we do is we give you the calculation which we call it as a provisional certificate under our letterhead. And we say that this is what we think it should be. So if you're preparing a set of accounts, and actually we give that provisional certificate before you even pay us. So if you like our certificate, if you like our percentage, you can pay us. And once you pay us, an email goes to the actuary with all the data, and then the actuary does their own checking. And there's a digital signature which issues, and all they actually has to do is query it. And if they query it, we have a supporting. We'll take it back to the accountant and say, "Look, you know, I, we think it's wrong," and then they have to re-enter that information or provide some explanation. But I would say it's about ninety to ninety-five percent. Uh, the provisional certificate percentage would be what would be in the actual actual certificate which is signed off by the actuary himself
0: so the actuary certificate the finest certificate is not issued by your company but it's issued by a separate company that has an actuary license etc of course
1: i mean it's like outsourced you know if you want to call it yeah. like yeah our yeah. deeds are outsourced to battalion legal uh, this is outsourced to an actuary and our qs reports are also outsourced to a uh, a specialist firm uh, called Depro, you know, they provide, because they have QS people, quantity surveyors going in every city of the country, you know, we we, we, are not, we can't do that, you know. So yeah.
0: after the actuary certificate, you then ventured out into quantity surveyor reports, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, more of B2B, you know, when accountants are doing tax returns, they encounter a person who has purchased a property that person needs a QS report, uh, wants to claim depreciation. And obviously the rules have changed last year. It's only the new properties, you know, not what you've bought. It's a grand property. So he needs a quantity surveyor. And then he comes on and he tells the uh, client that, look, you need a QS report. And he fills up an online form and off it goes. We have, uh, it's like an API, but we built it with Depro. You know, we joined hands. So the order is straight without any manual intervention goes to Depro and Depro processes it and they upload it onto our system and the email goes out to the accountant. So it's like, we are you can call it as a reseller if you like to call it, you know. So that's what we are. Yes.
0: So for the actuary certificate, you actually issue a provisional certificate so you do something instantly and you give a preliminary result instantly and then the final certificate will follow later. But yes. for the quantity surveyor report, you actually basically just resell that request to a registered yeah, surveyor. Could. They have to go out to the property yes, and inspect yes, it and yeah. come up with a... Yeah,
1: we don't uh, support a desktop uh, valuations or a curbside valuation. The QS reports, well, the only ones we do is where the person visits the actual property you know, the real person going in there and and that's the proper way of doing it. And what's coming next? uh, It's not only we have stopped there. The next is stamping of deeds that's coming. So there are, uh, they call them information providers. So it's a locked market. They're like the Office of uh, New South Wales State Revenue. They have a list of people they have already approved. So if you wanted to stamp your trust deeds we could do that for you but that's happening you know it's coming the ASIC searches are coming because we have an audit program so if an auditor wants to make an ASIC search they can through the system they can make an ASIC search so the ASIC has a an separate api for making those searches that's coming you know it's like in the future Coming back to the
0: stamp deeds, that's basically about that a trust deed is subject to stamp duty, isn't it? Isn't, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. St- I
1: think in New yeah, South, South Wales is $500 and in some states it's not or whatever.
0: So this new feature you're working on would mean that you issue the stamp on behalf of the New South Wales government. Yes. Uh, you know, or Revenue yeah. New South Wales. You would collect the money on behalf yes. of Revenue New South Wales and then yeah. pass it on to them. And they build an API for you to do that?
1: Yes, yes. I'll go into one more step to actually tell you what's happening. What's going to happen is, let's say you're an accountant and you have a client and you have consulted your client and you decide that together with the client that that a discretionary trust would be the appropriate structure. The next step is you need a trustee. So what you'll do is you'll go online, you'll enter the data which we require to create a trustee. Then we'll ask you, do you want us to stamp it for you? They'll say yes. And then we want us to apply for ABN for you. They'll say yes. So we'll ask for supplementary data. So we will, and if you want a company as a trustee, we'll collect that data also. We'll register the company online for you. We'll go and do the ABR for you and we'll stamp it for you. And then the stamping actually has to happen after the trustee and the beneficiaries have actually signed it. So we'll have a digital signature. So the email will go to the client that you have to sign it. After it is signed, it comes back. Then it is stamped and then sent back to the trustees
0: Need to be signed in person. And that happens. The trustee signs the trustee in person, but then... The stamp duty stamp is issued based on the digital signature. So it's not issued based on the original signature. But I guess that's all right for legal purposes, because the original document has original signatures.
1: Yes. The way the way the digital signature will work is that there will be a declaration by the trustees that they have signed the original. So okay. So, because the email goes out instantly. And they have printed it, they' have signed it, so there's a declaration in between so which covers the situation where the digital signature and the actual signature has a gap in there, you know so so that declaration mm. bridges that gap.
0: I'm surprised that revenue New South Wales and ASic are so open and build apis for providers like you to log into the system to collect. Uh, it's revenue
1: not, on their behalf yeah yeah as far as the office of state revenue is concerned they have a separate agreement with information brokers and then we have a separate uh agreement with the information brokers so it's like a b2b you know but i wish one day when next time when office of new south Wales or other offices they open up when they want new information brokers we will bid to be one but there's a lot of high level of security and uh, security protocols which has to be built into the api before we can hook on to their systems
0: so you're saying there's actually another party between you and ASIC, which is an information provider yeah ASIC opened up to this information provider and then this information provider offers the api to service providers like you and then it goes through them so okay i didn't know
1: that so yeah so the way it works is i will feed into a server of the information broker and uh, the information's broker has a server once they receive that information they'll pass it on to the office of state revenue so it's a double okay. thing but it happens in nanoseconds you know it doesn't happen like with any manual input or there's no humans in between you know so it's like one moves to the other
0: so the big it build basically happens at the information broker level because I can imagine the link between the information broker and ESIC or the uh, Revenue New South Wales office is simpler because it's basically just linking to a few information brokers whereas the link between you and your competitors to the information yeah. broker is is more complicated because it involves a lot more people
1: yeah look they're trying to funnel into the system because office of state revenue doesn't want to deal with 500 people they just want to deal with 10 people and then yeah. you know yeah that's state- a good word yes yeah. yeah, So
0: they create a funnel they build a funnel mm.
1: yeah so they they don't want to deal with every one of us because there's collection of money. And, you know, there's, there's a percentage. So there is a fee involved, you know? So as long as that fee is normal, like acceptable to the customer, Mm -hmm. you know, and then everyone is happy in the whole pipeline, you know, and it's all robotics, you know, now it's all AI and it's like linking it. And that's why, you know, in uh, IT business, I mean, I, very frankly, I thought that I'll build the website in two years and be done in dust Now we are 12 years old and we are still building, you know, and we haven't even finished what we thought we will finish in two years. So in yeah. IT, you know, it's about shaking that hand and checking, 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 again checking, after checking, checking again. So it's like we test about five times after we build it. <laughs> and then once you yeah. know that it is working, then we say, okay, and then it works forever. You know what I mean? We don't have yes. to program it again. So programming yes. has got a lot of testing. Like out of the 16, I would say the the main programmers are two teams of four people. So that's eight. But eight are testers. And test they're always testing what they're building. It's a continuous process. And there are updates yes. and other things happening all the time. So... Yeah, so I, I mean, it's just getting into that system where we are automating, but automation is not easy. You know, automation comes with a lot of precaution, it comes with a lot of uh, rechecking of the systems that they are working all the time.
0: So, all this was about Trustee, you know, au. but then you also have ECPI.com.au. Yes. When did ECPI? coming into the game was was that kind of a side project that you first Uh, thought oh we should do actuary certificates in a separate website but then you actually ended up doing it in
1: in the original website yeah it's it's a very interesting thing and you'll be very surprised to know that trusted is not the only website which sells companies Uh, we have six other websites which sell companies those websites sells only company they don't sell anything else so if you go to Google and if you print, uh, if you type in, if you search for company registration, on the first page you will probably get uh, ten. Oh, sorry, the number is nine. You will get nine ads. So it's quite possible. And six of those, and six of those are yours. Six of them are ours. Yeah. So if you go to the, the yellow difference. one, if you go to the yellow one, that's ours. If you go to the red one, that's also ours. If you go to the green one, that's also ours. If you go to the blue one, that's also ours. So this game has become monetized. You know, it's become, uh, <laughs> let's put it this way, it's a Google game.
0: What was the reason to offer company registrations through six different brands?
1: More money, more income. That's the motivation.
0: Yeah. Is that one brand that brings um, in a lot more company registration it, than the others?
1: You see, nowadays, plumber can go in and, you know, he doesn't have to go to an accountant. and he can just go online and just register a company. So it just depends which date it is. On Monday, maybe one website makes more money. You know, it's like washing powder, you know. They have a washing powder, uh, white stuff with the blue stuff, white stuff with the yellow stuff, white stuff with the green stuff.
0: And are you targeting these six different brands at different groups? Like, for example, one at uh, uh, accountants, no, okay.
1: one at trust- Not really.
0: trustees? No?
1: Not really. Uh, I mean, we don't know who will come to the website anyway, but a trustee, we try to funnel accountants to trustees because trustee.com.au has other products which the accountant needs, and he's a repeat buyer. Whereas uh, somebody who's an architect and he wants to form a company, he says, why should I go to an accountant? cost me $1,000? I'll just do it online. And, And also there's a price differential so trusteed is on 86 dollars. we have some websites out of the other six three are more than 86 dollars and three are below 86 dollars there's a conception in people's mind you sit in your car and you look at your fuel gauge and if it's showing empty then there's a conception in people's mind and nobody understands this which petrol is good for your car because your car can accept e10 onwards So which car and some people think that the more expensive fuel will give me more mileage. But if they stop at more red lights and depending on the traffic, it'll probably. So if you pay more for fuel does not mean you'll get more kilometers. So you can buy a cheaper fuel and go for a long run. You'll probably get a better mileage or or the car may run better. So here, you know, this is a company and it's the same constitution with the blue stuff and the green stuff and, you know, on a yellow stuff. So, in the washing powder, you know, I'm just trying to relate the two concepts. Yes.
0: So, that also then explains why under ECPI.com.au, an actuary certificate is $55, whereas on trustee.com.au, yeah. it's 97.50. So, oh, it's almost is... twice the price.
1: Yeah, there's another way.
0: Web... That's a huge price difference.
1: No, 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 no. There's, uh, there's another website which is called actuarialcertificate.com.au, which is also owned by us. On that website, it's $137. So, uh, oh, I see, so, wow. yeah. So it's not only ECPI, but ECPI is a little bit different. It's not fifty-five dollars for every certificate if you buy in bulk. So if you buy a hundred certificate, you pay us five thousand five hundred upfront, and then we keep account for you, so you can buy in bulk. Uh, we have another website called Online SMS Audit. Every certificate is fifty-five dollars, and we mm-hmm. know that our competition is selling three times our price. We are aware of that. I mean, this is. Like a total digital disruption, if you want to call it. We just smashed the price. Just smashed it. Yeah.
0: They all link back to the same backend. So ECPI uses exactly the same ex- actuary as yes. trustee does.
1: Yeah, same guy. Hmm. Same guy. Same guy signs it. Actual certificate is the same. You know, the, the form is the same. Yes. The certificate is the same. Yeah.
0: Did you try to integrate with BGL three sixty uh, and class? Yeah. There is some integration. Is it you mentioned before that there are three or four large actuary, SMS actuary yes. companies? Yes. Are these three or four, are they the ones that are integrated with BGL three sixty yes. and class?
1: Yes. You look at BGL three sixty and they and BGL Simple Fund, if you look at their market, I think BGL between three sixty and simple fund would have about two hundred Class has got about 120. So that's only 360,000 funds out of the 600,000 funds. So there are a lot uh, of funds out there, a lot of funds. It's unbelievable because I've been an auditor for many, many years. There are a lot of funds using Handy Ledger, there are a lot of funds using MYOB, handwritten Excel sheets. So there are about 200,000 funds who don't use BGL Class. <laughs> they are maybe more, 250,000 funds. So about 50%, I would say, my opinion, are not done on BGL 360 in class.
0: That's the market then for the offerings you have.
1: There's another reason. They don't give you API for nothing. The class doesn't give you API for nothing. Those who are linked with class and they have a fee of, say, $160, all the $160 does not go to the actuarial firm. Some of Mm. it is retained with class. And if we were at $55, if we were to share anything, there'll be nothing left for me or the actuary. So out of that 160, you know, a percentage of that. So we just thought that this, uh, you know, we'll stay outside that market. And then there's enough business for everyone, for us and for them. So we just decided to stay away from them.
0: Which one of all those offerings is the most popular is?
1: Yeah, I I don't know how I can answer that because we collect the ASIC fees as well, which is GST free. So we do collect a lot of money which don't belong to us, you know, which doesn't belong to us. Uh, the next day it will be debited by ASIC. So as far as dollar value is concerned, it's obviously the company. But we have, we sell a lot of actual certificates. We sell a lot of super funds. We've never actually looked at any one particular product as such. We look at daily basis. We look at, it'll be a very deep type of a calculation. You know, we're looking at about 200 transactions a day. You know, we don't like going to the next level of how many we sold last year or what. But what we do look after is that we want to be between 10 and 15 percent of the full whole australian market so the number of companies we sell the number of super funds we sell the number of discretionary trust we sell so the number of actual certificates we sell we want to be in between 10 and 15 percent you know we want to achieve we want to go to the next level and this is like among the 60 providers you know of the services. There are 60 people who offer company formation, but we have close to 15% of the total market. So we have quite a substantial share of the market and we're we're happy with that. The next level is that the accountant does not even, and this is perhaps the next generation, we're moving on, you know, we're pushing accountants to do this. See, instead of them coming to us and buying these documents, uh, what we are doing is that we are integrating with the accountants so that when clients want these documents, these clients go to the accountants' website. And behind the accountants' websites, it's our application form.
0: Are you already doing that?
1: Yeah, that's already in place. If uh, there's a website which we have uh, developed, it's called advisorwebsite.com.au. So, we are giving away free API. So, if you have a website, you're an accountant, you have a website, you can take an API from us, company registration API from us. You can take Superfund API from us. You can take discretionary trust API from us. So, we are giving APIs to accountants. So, so accountants should be selling to their clients on their website. So, and we will be the ones which will be hid, hidden behind them, behind the accountants supplying it. So, the supply mm-hmm. chain is actually diverting. There could be, maybe if you and me have a conversation in one year's time, there could be 1,000 accountants selling my companies. And there'll be all types of colors and every suburb may have one accountant who's selling companies. And the websites will be full or sell companies, but we will be the engine behind them. So we we like going into futuristic, and accountants are not for this, you know, I mean, they, they think, oh, do I need it? I said, this is the phone number of the accountant. He did this and he's putting a very small Google ad and he's selling companies and he's got, in the last year, 30 company business clients. So he sold 30 companies and he got 30 business clients.
0: How big is this API with, where you feed directly to accountants in the background?
1: Oh we're, dub- oh, we're doubling every month. In the first month, the six accountants came in. The next month, 12 came in. The following month, 24 came in. Now we've got close to about 100 accountants who have integrated with us.
0: So when did you start this? Oh, this started sometime in October, November last year. So October, yeah. November 2017. Yeah.
1: yeah. and But you see, the problem is this, that when we talk to the accountants that, why don't you do this? They said, what's my benefit? I said, okay, let's say there's a super fund, right? So you can say that I can do Superfund annual administration for you. And if I, as a, as a trustee, an intending trustee, a future trustee, I want to engage your services, right? And then what you can do is you can bundle your services, say that uh, first year is $1,500 and I'll give you the trust deed for free. Click here. And he clicks it here and my form appears on his website. And the user will never know that it is our form actually working behind the accountant's form because it's mask. I mean, the technology is called iFrame. So our form is working behind his website and the user is actually engaging this accountant to do his annual administration. So this packaging of services is the next level. Accountants building, downloading these APIs from us and then building and revamping their websites and trying to interact with their clients online because transferring data doing the tax returns and then getting it digitally signed and then lodging them it's a big job so we're trying to build these interfaces for them that the clients will be coming to their websites and uploading the documents and then these accountants will be downloading it and then once the tax return is done they upload it and the clients. Will be sent emails and getting it digitally signed and all that. So, we're trying to get into that space, you know, trying to mm. uh, make the accountant's life a little bit more bring the future today to their practice. And these mm. practices are like sole practitioners, two partner, three partner, four partner firms, and they're trying to cut staff because it's an exercise which can be managed digitally instead of by a human.
0: Welcome back. Manoj talks a lot about the integration and building of interfaces between accountants and service providers, so-called APIs, application programming interfaces. And I think he's onto something. Whether it is his services or a different provider, I think integration is the next step in all this. At the moment, everything is out there, but offered in little bits and pieces. And putting all these bits and pieces together slows us down. In the next episode, episode 40, Daniel Kael of Partners Wealth Group will talk about personal insurance inside and outside of super. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.